You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the visiting North Carolina Tar Heels 77-65 to in the final game of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. The win moves Indiana to 7-0 and on the season in a game that really didn't feel as close as the final result. Indiana wins by 12, but it really felt like they dominated the game with their tenacity on defense, their ability to get out in transition, and just a lot of togetherness and grit and a team that played so hard for 40 minutes and it just made it so much fun to watch and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the assembly call iu post game show i'm jared morris here with ryan phillips here with andy bottoms and let's start this show the way we start every show and that is with our hoosier proud banner moment and i'm actually going to go all the way back to the first half for the banner moment when it was 28 to 24 and really control of the game was kind of hanging in the balance i mean even though indiana had dominated You know, North Carolina was getting enough free throws, getting enough banked in three pointers to kind of hang around. And what happened next gave Indiana a lead that they just wouldn't relinquish. And it was all powered by defense. It was that sequence when they had two straight steals that led to layups. The first was Xavier Johnson deflecting a pass. He got it up to Trey Galloway who scored, and then Jordan Geronimo got a deflection, dove on the floor, got the ball. He got it up to X, who got it up to Trey for the dunk. It put Indiana up 32-24. to It was just incredible effort on defense and turning that defense into offense. On a night when Indiana wasn't able to get a lot done from behind the three-point line, they were able to stay efficient on offense because of what they were able to do in transition. Uh, Carolina, I don't believe, got it any closer than six the rest of the way. Uh, and even though there were obviously some big moments in the second half, and we'll talk about those uh, as we go throughout the show, it really kind of felt, even in the moment, that that was a huge, huge little mini run for Indiana that pushed them out, kind of gave Indiana the control that it felt like they had from the way they played but didn't have it on the scoreboard pushed the lead out, and it was just tremendous defense from a team that played unbelievable defense all night long. All right, and now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Oh, yes, that's right. Our banner moment, as always, presented to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, now in their sixth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call and their second as the presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network. And as you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many old vintage logos that they have pulled out, breathed new life into. And they don't just do that for Indiana. They do it for schools across the country. And that's what makes Homefield Apparel the best place to go for your Christmas shopping because you can knock out most of the people on your list in one trip. And even though... Uh, one trip to their website. And even though, you know, right now you missed their Black Friday sale, they're surely going to have some other sales coming up. But either way, you can still use our promo code HOME and get 15% off your entire first order. So no matter who is on your shopping list, what college they support, Homefield Apparel is going to have something really cool and interesting for those folks. Not to mention it's on comfortable materials, the colors last through many washings, and you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. Uh, They're just awesome people. 
and they do awesome work and create awesome products. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, and you will get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. Uh, just a just a great win for the for the team. Uh, seemed like an absolutely amazing environment. Coach was sending us some uh, pictures and videos, and saw a lot of those on on Twitter. So uh, just awesome crowd. Uh, but but boy, what you said was true. I mean, the defense in the first half, in particular, and early in the second half, was just absolutely smothering and choking the life out of North Carolina. Uh, possession after possession. Uh, just great effort from a number of guys. Some you would expect, some of them you might not. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about uh, in our in our chat about Miller Cops defense early in the second half. I mean, that was really what set the tone. Everything was a grind for North Carolina. And until they really unleashed Armando Baycott uh, and his array of moving screens, uh, that really uh, they really did a number on Carolina. And then on the offensive end, the quartet of, of Jalen Huchifino, Xavier Johnson, TJD and Trey Galloway basically they outscored North Carolina between the four of them 66 to 65 and it was like those guys would just kind of tag each other in and out when you needed somebody to step up and make a play and uh, it really showed from a guard perspective and a wing perspective the importance of having multiple playmakers there because you really had different guys that could attack matchups with North Carolina as they switched leaky leaky black around to try to shut down different people, IU just went to somebody else to initiate the offense, and that was huge. And uh, TJD, great performance from him. Th- those four really shouldered the load offensively for sure. So uh, lots to talk about, lots of excitement. Uh, great home win for for this team and uh, and such a strong defensive effort. Ryan, I think I have a hunch what you're going to rant about. <laughs> you know what everyone was ranting about all game <laughs> you know what jared there's positives and negatives from this game let me start with the positives because you guys know me i am always a glass half full kind of guy always so always <laughs> never the other way around uh first off this game when i was growing up in southern california and would watch indiana basketball and was told what indiana basketball was that this tonight that's what indiana basketball always was it was this kind of effort that kind of arena you know that kind of just electricity and atmosphere. We haven't had that consistently for a long time. Tonight is the reason that fans of the school go to Indiana. And it's the reason that players go to Indiana. It's a game like this with a marquee opponent and you just absolutely dominate. Like I know this final score looks like eight points. This was a 20 point win and we'll get to why in a minute. It was 12. it was at least 12 or 12. I'm sorry, not eight, uh, 12, but this is, this is what Indiana basketball is supposed to be. And what has been missing for the past few decades, kudos to Mike Woodson and these players for creating that atmosphere for creating that kind of effort and energy playing that kind of defense, which we saw some, which we saw last year, but to be able to do it this year when you're up tempo and scoring more and still play that kind of defense rebound the way they did. This is Indiana basketball. This is what it's supposed to be. And this team is playing that way. And I don't expect it to stop anytime soon. This is a really, really good basketball team. They are who we thought they'd be. They're going to get better. You know, you had some, some of the younger guys playing like they were young tonight at, at times and, 
and, and whatever. And North Carolina, I know, came in hurt and what, whatever. This team can stand toe-to-toe with anybody if they play this way. Anybody, like, across the country. So, again, kudos to everybody involved for creating what they have created so far. Now they just got to keep carrying it forward. Now we'll get to the other half, which the only reason this wasn't an absolute ridiculous blowout is because of the foul calls by these officials. Uh, at one point, North Carolina had been called for 10 fouls. Middle of the second half, Indiana had been called for 20. They were out shooting Indiana at the free throw line, 25 to 8. That's not reality. It's just not. Every- well, North Carolina was the more aggressive team all game, so, I mean, it makes right, sense, exactly. right? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, no, and obviously, IU totally. wasn't attacking the basket and scoring 50 points in the paint or anything where, <laughs> like, where one know, might get fouled. Those arguments are just so moronic. You hear them from time to time, and there's, it's so stupid. Like, Indiana was attacking, cutting, doing everything they were supposed to do, driving, being aggressive, playing aggressive defense without doing, I mean, you know, guys bump each other, bump into each other. It's basketball. If you're going to allow it, I want to, I don't mind them calling it the way they called it on North Carolina's end or the way they called it on Indiana's end. I mind it when they don't call it the same on both ends. And that was absolutely atrocious tonight. That and, and the, and Mike Woodson was in their ear the entire time. This wasn't a thing where he wasn't advocating for it. The players were talking about it. Like I, and quite frankly, Good on the players and the coaching staff for not letting it get them off their game. They mm-hmm. just kept answering back every time. But that kind of officiating ruins games. It ruins college basketball. So, again, good on the team for playing through it because it was horrific all night long. I was thinking maybe, hey, you know, they had a bad 10 minutes. They'll even it out over here. It was bad the entire game. And then with about five minutes left, they started finally calling fouls on North Carolina because I think they realized just how bad it was. So, again, thumbs up to the team for playing through it because I certainly wouldn't have. I'd have gotten thrown out. They even got confused, and North Carolina was trying to foul. It took them a little they, while to actually Jay call. Bill, Jay Billis was <laughs> dropping some notes in there as well every once in a while. Uh, gentlemen, let's talk about Trace Jackson Davis because in Indiana's two biggest games, he has been the best player on the court. You recall what he did at Xavier, scoring 30 points and just putting the team on his back. Uh, you know, tonight the point numbers aren't as gaudy 21 points, nine of 16 field goals, still very efficient, still a terrific game, but also 10 rebounds, four assists, and four block shots to go along with it. Um, and he was the leader out there, you know, and we know that, you know, Trace isn't a hundred percent. He's dealing with the wrist issue. He's dealing with the back issue. But once again, Andy, when the lights were the brightest for this Indiana team, Trace was ready. And there were certainly, you know, a kind of a sequence there in the second half where the offense felt familiar, where it was, let's get it inside to Trace and let's go. And in the first half, really, it kind of felt like Indiana's offense, you know, was stagnating a little bit because they weren't playing through him enough you know and when they did good things happened and so you know once again on a big stage trace was an all-american uh just continuing a terrific senior season he was great tonight it, yeah he he was he really forced north carolina to to try to find different ways to defend him you know baycott could push him out on the floor but then he couldn't guard him once he once he put it on the deck and then nance would give up inside position and and he did an okay job of pushing trace out at times um, but you know, some of the offensive rebounding he did, uh, early on was, was key and just great effort level. And I think to a certain extent, you know, he didn't want to come out at the end of the first half, but that gave him a little bit extra. Uh, he only ended up playing 31 minutes because of, of some of the foul trouble. 
and they could really ride him a lot in the second half. Uh, and I thought that was really important. And I think, you know, the stats are, are obviously great. Uh, didn't turn the ball over at all, made smart decisions passing out of the post for, for three pointers to multiple guys. And the other thing that you really don't measure by that is pretty much every one of those floaters that either Galloway or Xavier <laughs> Johnson hit is the fact that Trace Jackson Davis is the magnet where all the defense is saying, I don't want to give up a lob to this guy. I'm going to hang back, hang back, hang back. And then those guys were able to convert. Those opportunities are there for him because of, or for them because of what Trace Jackson Davis really brings as a, you know, kind of gravitational pull on the offensive end. So just a really, really strong performance from him against another really, another really good player. I know Baycott was banged up. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, but he injured his shoulder at some point on really? a block mm. that looked completely clean to me uh, in the first half. But, uh, but anyway, just, just did, a, you know, showed some versatility though. Uh, and I think that continues to be important that he could score with his back to the basket, but also facing up. I, I think he continues to evolve a little bit in that way as well. Well, the thing is, Ryan, I mean, Andy makes a great point, you know, about Indiana's guards getting some of those floaters because guys aren't just going to leave Trace because he's such a devastating lob guy. Well, that also worked on the other end. You know, there were several possessions in the first half where Trey Galloway was just hounding Caleb Love. Now, Caleb Love is more athletic than Trey, got a step on him, but he missed the layups because he was worried about Trace coming over and he tried to put it up high off the backboard. So you're right. You, you see a great stat line like that, and even that stat line doesn't fully encompass the impact Trace Jackson Davis had on this game. There's no better deterrent than a, than a guy that can block shots. It makes it impossible. As a guard, you guys play basketball. You, you're going in there. You know there's a big guy in there ready to block your shot. It's going to affect the way you put it up. And, and so he earns a lot of, of possessions for Indiana on the back end just being on the floor. But what I'll say about Trace tonight is he was the best player on the floor just the best player on the floor. I mean, you know, I know some of these other guys have bigger NBA prospects or whatever. He was the best college basketball player on the floor and everybody knew it. North Carolina knew it. His teammates knew it. Everybody in the arena knew it. He just walked onto the floor whenever he came out and you can see North Carolina being like, Oh God, like we got to do this again. And what did he do? He did what stars do. He took the ball. He went, he, he, there was no, there was no craft in his game tonight. He was basically like, okay, Pete Nance, you can't guard me. I'm going to go right there and I'm going to score. And if I miss the shot, I'm going to come back down next time and I'm going to make it. Like there, there, was, there was no mystery about it. And he just beat them because he's better than them, you know? And, and those are good players on the other team too. I mean, those guys, are, those guys are really good post players and he just dominated them. And, you know, you come away with 21 points, 10 rebounds. It's not the biggest statistical game ever. That was one of his biggest games ever. To be honest, it was. Because of the opponent, because of the situation, because you're undefeated, because you're playing at home, because it's the last ACC Big Ten Challenge, and he was the best player on the floor. And these are the kind of performances when we talked, uh, uh, you know, previously about, you know, our previous show about him becoming a legendary IU player. Statistically, he's going to be there. But what you do in big moments is what defines how you're remembered. Nights like this is how that's going to happen for Trace. And in the first half, they didn't go to him enough. Then they started pounding it with him, and he just started dominating. And again, what can you say about the guy? You, you, I mean, he just—he—he has been rising to the occasion since about midseason last year. He's risen to the occasion every single time, and he keeps doing it. We just passed a thousand uh, live viewers at eleven fifty-four Eastern time. Love having you all here after a big win like this. The excitement is back, I don't know, guys. Doing an Indiana game, Indiana post game show. Who's going to want to watch that? <laughs> like it's, it's, um, 12 years in i'm not sure this is a great idea 
you know, it feels like there's still so many people that we have to get to, um, and we're gonna we're gonna get to everybody, all the great performances tonight. But we have to talk a little bit more about Trey Galloway, who you know obviously has been dealing with some injuries. But man, you know, think back to the last two huge home wins Indiana has had last year against Purdue, tonight against North Carolina, and Trey's defense on the other team's most dynamic offensive player was just huge in getting that win. Andy, you know, he, I mean, just the way that he harassed Caleb Love. I mean, when he first got in the game, he was picking up Caleb Love 40 feet from the basket. And it really just didn't seem like Caleb Love had any interest in, you know, in dealing with this guy that was just going to be all over him. Uh, you know, and that effort, his ability to get out and transition, his ability to be crafty around the basket, you know, that that's really the thing tonight. You know, we've seen the defense from Trey. But for him to be able to come in and give you 11 points, and not just all in transition, some of those little floaters in the half court in the second half were huge. You know they're the kind of shots where it's a nine-point game, you push it right back out to 11. That's the thing Indiana did tonight, is North Carolina would go on a little four-point run, they'd get it to seven or eight, and Indiana would have an answer. You know, And that is something that is different about this team. It's even different than how they handled the end of the Xavier game. You know, they didn't let North Carolina make those one or two plays, and it's because they had an answer on offense, they had an answer on defense, and a lot of times in the second half, that answer was Trey Galloway. Um, and so you really saw his value defensively, but then also tonight he brought more value offensively than, than what we've seen. And it's just, you know, yet another example. I don't think most Indiana fans need it, but yet another example of why he is so essential to how this team wants to play um, and, and just what they do. He was great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Coach Marlowe should be on doing the victory lap of all victory laps uh, for this one. And I'm sure, I'm sure, it, I'm sure he is right now. But um, and you know that that's he's a guy that I thought you know what 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 happens to him if he can't figure out a way to shoot the ball better? Is he a guy who loses minutes to some other people? Uh, that was clearly incorrect. Um, as you look at what he's able to do, but especially coming back after after missing these games and being able to really count on him for big minutes. But you know, another guy who uh, you know, was able to help IU get out and transition, get some of those baskets, which you're accustomed to with him, those couple, you know, the layup and the dunk that, that you had mentioned. Uh, the, the dunk, I loved uh, Geronimo's reaction as he like leapt in the air from the three-point line when he uh, jumped out when, the gym <laughs> when, when Galloway threw it down. And then that layup uh, was pretty big uh, late in the game as well, where he poked the ball away from behind, traced through a head to it. But those other two were, you know, floaters where he's able to do that. And again, I just felt like IU did a good job of figuring out which is the matchup that we can exploit. When Galloway was out there, if he could get around somebody, he had a really nice pocket pass to to trace for a, a layup in the first half um, and and just was able to take advantage of those matchups and was just absolutely harassing Caleb Love uh, defensively. And, you know, they made a couple tough shots on him, but it, it was – uh, it, it was a it was a huge improvement even from the defensive effort that he had on on Kunkel. If you think back to the Xavier game and what he was able to provide there, I mean, a tougher guy to guard, but he was just fantastic on, on that end. Just brings that energy that we've seen from the bench consistently, and in key moments, those guys have provided sparks, and he's been been at the forefront of that. Yeah, the, on Trey, I, I think we all give him credit for being quick and being active and being fast and and a buzzing around and all of that. We talk about that all the time. What we are you know, less effusive in our praise of is just how physical he is. Guys know they're being guarded by Trey Gallo and he's away from the ball. He's bumping him. He's moving him. He's right in their face. He's on him. He's leaning on him. He, uh, he blocks out really aggressively. 
and when he's on offense, he sets good screens. He's a, he's a physical basketball player. And I think sometimes that gets lost because you're used to seeing him streaking down the floor or running through cuts or, or, you know, going right down the lane for a floater. He's a physical, physical kid. And that wears on you when he's defending you. And I, I, I mean, again, you guys are right. Like him just chasing around uh, North Carolina's guards. I mean, it was, they were annoyed and they get annoyed and, and it happened last year. Jaden Ivy got really annoyed with him twice last year. And uh, <laughs> he's exactly what you need at times. I think, you know, there have been people talking about what should he start him, whatever. I love him coming off the bench, just as you think their best defenders are coming off the floor and you're going to get that second wave. And then having him be the first guy that greets you, if you're the point guard or, or, or a shooting guard, it's a perfect role for him. Uh, especially with the way this lineup works. And and so really just, I I always forget that. And then I'll watch a game like tonight and I'll just see how imposing he can be physically on guys. And he's bigger than you think he is too. Um, so yeah, great night for Trey. He was fantastic. Those floaters, that's his most confident shot. It's not a layup. It's not a dunk. It's that floater where he's going right down the lane. And we've seen it last year and we've seen it this year. Yep. No question. All right. Well, coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 12-point victory over North Carolina, we will point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, James. James Blackman Jr., one of many Hoosier legends uh, who was in the house tonight, uh, along with many recruits who got to see an excellent atmosphere and an excellent women. How could you come and watch that and not want to be a part of that? That's well, a showcase game. It was, and, and really smart by the staff to have so many guys there. You know, I mean, that's just, that's really, that's a, a great way to organize your recruiting. Um, all right, it's the beginning of segment two. You know what that means. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Yes, it is time for tonight's Meaningful Moments You Might Have Missed, and it's brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans to learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. 
Uh, look, for the first meaningful moment, it's not a meaningful moment that anybody missed, but maybe it's a meaningful moment that has been forgotten because it happened at the very start of the game. And that's the way that Jalen Hood-Shafino came out in his first big game and ended up scoring, I think, 12 of Indiana's first 19 points, you know, making a couple threes, hitting a runner. Uh, and, it, you know, it was really important, you know, because Indiana's offense, uh, you know, in some ways, as we mentioned, they weren't getting it to trace a lot, you know, and it stagnated at times. But Hutchrafino's ability to just be a shot maker uh, and a guy who can go get a bucket uh, was great to see, especially from a guy, Ryan, who has obviously struggled a little bit with his shot. But what it showed you is this young guy is not afraid of the moment. I mean, he was ready. It's not that he was hunting shots. He was just ready for the opportunities when they came. And they were all good shots. They were all within the flow of the offense. You know, now his scoring would slow down a little bit. And, you know, there are probably a couple of passes there late in the second half that he wants to have back. But, man, the scoring, I think he had eight rebounds or six rebounds. I don't know. He and X had 14 between them. Um, but, you know, again, you know, on a big stage for Jalen Huchifino in front of apparently NBA scouts from 30 teams uh, really showed off, you know, showed the full array of what he can do. Um, and seeing that scoring early was uh, was just great to see and really important for Indiana to get off to a good start, keep the crowd engaged. You know, that's really what Jalen did. and It was nice to see. Yeah, we've talked about Jalen, and, and I think that we've talked about how that guy could score two points and have a massive impact on a game. He's one of those guards, like a Jason Kidd type, you know, early in his career where he didn't have to score to have a huge impact on a game. And tonight he was scoring, so it was sort of the cherry on top. I, I think that it, the, the amazing thing about him is you're right. He's not, he's not cowed by the moment. He was absolutely uh, from the jump. And, and, you know, I think that he knew some scouts were there to see him. He was going to come out. You know, roaring and I thought that maybe he dribbled a little too much early he was making he was scoring but I, I was kind of worried don't fall in love with that shot don't fall you know if you got it make it but you know let's not make this a habit you know if you to force those you got it you got to be feeling it in that exact moment and he did you know to his credit it wasn't like he came out in the second half and just fired a ton of shots you know from three or whatever he played within the offense um and I think that uh what was really nice to see too is the defensive effort was there all game from him as well. And you expect that from him, but he was there all game playing really hard defensively, jumped out on a few things, but he would recover. Um, I do think that you had some freshman moments for him, you know, he back to back possessions, he tried to throw a lob to TJD. Then he tried to throw a lob to race and there wasn't really an angle for either of those, but I think you're feeling the moment you want to make it the exclamation point and, and it turns into a turnover and it's going the other way. So you have those moments where, and you're starting to see Xavier Johnson really realize that, that, hey, you know what, let's slow back. Let's, let's, let's pull things back. Let's set it up because we're scoring so much on offense. We don't need to, to, to rush anything or force anything. So that'll come. He's a freshman. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's just a really impressive player. Every time he's on the floor, he does something to impress you. And, um, you know, I'm just going to enjoy it while he's here because with nights like tonight, you're starting to feel like it's not going to be very much longer. Well, and I think, I think with him – at the beginning of the game, he really took advantage of the fact that Carolina started out with Leaky Black on Xavier Johnson. Um, really good defender trying to take X a little bit out of the game. And just, you know, that was – I forget which preview it was that I listened to, but, you know, him being guarded by the smaller Carolina guards, he really took advantage of that early and I thought played well. And then in some ways as the game went on, um, you, you, you saw him – maybe try to make a couple home run plays in there. Ryan, you referenced those couple of those, even some at the end of the game where he ends up you know, driving and losing the ball. And as odd as it may sound to say right now, 
you can potentially see him. Their games are not wildly similar, but you look at Xavier Johnson at this time a year ago mm. and the maturity that he's shown over that time. Uh, I don't know that their early last season, a lot of people were like, yeah, he needs to, you know, Xavier Johnson is a guy we want teaching, uh, you know, late game poise to somebody else. But I do think what you saw from X tonight was, you know, huge improvements in that area. There were times late in the game he could have driven, but he pulled the ball out, got fouled, got to the line, made free throws. So I think having those two guys together, there's been a lot made of how well they actually play together on the floor. And I thought they did pretty well at that tonight because they could pick and choose matchups. But I also think they can, you know, maybe learn from one another. Uh, X can mentor him a little bit in some of those kinds of decision-making areas where you don't want to pull him back too far. And that, that was always kind of the thing with X. You don't want to take the edge off of what he does because he's trying to make, you know, these, you know, these big plays that the roof's going to blow off the place if you make it and just trying to understand the right moments for those and the, and the moments maybe to, to throttle it down a little bit. So be interesting to see how that evolves for him over the course of the season, but uh, hard not to feel good about where things will end up in that way. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Carnegie Hall of College Hoops, where he took in tonight's game. It is the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with a live report. Coach, give us your impressions hey, of a great night of Indiana basketball. Is my mic working, everybody? You can, good can you hear? You're good. Okay. To be real quick, it was absolutely an incredible atmosphere here tonight. Uh, the crowd was here early. Uh, students were filled all the way up to the top. It's just the energy is what everyone would expect for a big game. And then I thought the guys came out and just played extremely uh, hard uh, and energized. And it wasn't perfect, especially on the offensive end, but defensively, wow, did they really take it to North Carolina? And then uh, I had the pleasure of sitting next to Miller Cop in the media room. He just came in, sat down right next to me and was cluing me in on the, the words uh, that the, the guys were supposed to say. So I, I believe nice one of them was an anaconda. Was that one of them? Anaconda or constricted, I think. And then jellyfish. It had to be constricted. Yeah. yeah. And then jellyfish uh, was Jalen Hood Shafino. He couldn't get it in, but he leaned in right when he was leaving the, the podium and, and said jellyfish, uh, but he didn't say it in any context. <laughs> but Miller's a great teammate. He just, he, he said, listen to this. And he was tapping me and telling me when it was going to happen. And he was filming. And so just a great night. Um, but, but a quick take, defensively, this team is going to really cause a lot of problems throughout the, the season. Xavier Johnson was fantastic uh, on ball pressure. I thought Trey Galloway did a great job defensively. And, and then they just made enough plays when, when things got a little tight. You know, it was, what, 59-52. They were able to make a couple of key baskets. I, I thought Woodson did a good job of getting the ball in the post when uh, shots were being a little uh, loose in the first half. So... You know, I'm looking forward to going back and, and re-watching it uh, and slowing it down a little bit. But this was a solid effort and a solid win, and it's the second win on the resume. And so let's go. Man, you know, watching on TV, I mean, I'm not sure I can remember seeing an Indiana team play that hard defensively for 40 minutes. I mean, you know, and we've talked a little bit about how the defense has been a little up and down so far this season. It's still been really good but maybe just a little leakier than we expected. And tonight, I mean, they were elite defensively. Was it, I mean, was it as intense watching their live as it felt like on TV? Absolutely. That's the word I wrote in my notes was the intensity of, of how they played, uh, fighting through the ball screens and, and the drop and over coverage that they were running on the ball screen, uh, attacking uh, shots at, at the rim to block shots. 
the only negative maybe is some rebounding. I think they, that's always going to be an issue with this team. They're going to have to get some some better rebounding. Gave up too many offensive rebounds. But yes, you could just feel it here. And they played off the energy and they helped create the energy too. Not Nothing was better than that segment where X got the deflection and Galloway got a breakaway. And then Geronimo just locked down a guy in the, in the corner of the half court and got a deflection, dove on the floor, tapped it ahead. I mean, th- those are those are winning plays. Um, and those are going to win in March. And, and that's what Coach Woodson brought. And, you know, we... It just just was a, a thrilling evening here in Assembly Hall. See, Coach, this show has chemistry because what you just said was the banner moment. That that exact <laughs> sequence is what I said is the banner moment. Well, Coach, thank you for the live report. You yep. got a lot of background noise, so we're going to let you go. But we appreciate you being here. Uh, okay. So gl- so glad you were able to uh, to be at the game, man. That must have been an awesome, awesome atmosphere. Have a great show. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. So let's finish up uh, meaningful moments. You know, the other one that I want to mention and look, I mean, I I thought Xavier Johnson was terrific, especially in the second half, just kind of as Indiana's closer. Um, You know, he had that that one (laughs) bad play where he got into the lane, didn't know what to do and threw up that weird shot and kind of got the frustration foul. And And it's like, X, what are you doing? (laughs) And quite frankly, he had a little bit of time. Like he didn't need to do it, but it was kind of like, I, maybe he was thinking three seconds on himself or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like, ah, you know. I don't know. Like, and he, are we sure these that? referees would have known enough to call? <laughs> no, basic? I no, don't think we can assume that at all. Could have moved his apartment in there, and they never would have called. <laughs> yeah. So look, you know that happened. Whatever. Like outside of that, he was great. He pulled the ball back when he needed to. He was able to drive and get to the bucket when he needed to. He made eight out of ten free throws. But I'll tell you, you know, the one play that I just I can't stop thinking about is. You know, he drove in and he missed a really good look at a layup. Like, I think he thought he was going to get fouled and he tried to put a little bit too much on it and he just missed it. I am not sure I've ever seen someone sprint back and transition defense as fast as he did. And, you know, and I think it was RJ Davis who looked like he was going to have a real easy transition opportunity. I don't think he fouled him. I think he just got a deflection. It might have gone out of bounds. North Carolina might have even kept the ball. I'm not even sure. But he just went and just totally messed up what they were going to do. And it was just, Andy, an example of the kind of hustle that we saw all night and what you see from X. And it's the kind of thing that even, you know, fans who were frustrated with him early last year, it's the reason why everybody was patient with him because, my God, the guy plays hard. You know, and it was just that play. Instead of just, you know, being mad that he missed the layup, I mean, he just turned and sprinted to get back in transition. Indiana's transition defense was really good tonight, you know, and that's effort and just caring about it. And that's what Xavier Johnson brings. He plays hard, and he just really, really cares. Um, and it was really embodied in that play to me. Yeah, I mean, fast break points, they only gave up five uh, the entire game. I think that that obviously speaks to the level of the transition defense that uh, that they provided. But, yeah, I thought, I thought he did a really good job. He's he just continued to evolve in terms of picking his spots – and knowing when to go and and when not to, like we like we talked about a minute ago. I mean, he ends up with a couple turnovers, but had four assists, eight rebounds. Was actually the second leading rebounder behind uh, behind Trace. The you know some of the North Carolina shots were ricocheting pretty far out, and so you saw you know fourteen rebounds between X and and Huchifino. So um, you know just just really solid play from him. Strong decision making. Really, really good on-ball defense, as as Coach said, was a huge part of what they were able to do at the point of attack defensively. And, uh, yeah, just just 
love continuing to see him him play that way. He had another um, big bucket off a kind of came off a curl and made an elbow jumper. I think it was at a at a time when I don't know that North Carolina was totally getting back in it. You know, I don't know that it ever really felt like there was you know huge game pressure on them, but. Um, they had just come off of making a three, and I think he hit it there, either a floater or an elbow jumper or somewhere I had written down here, uh, you know, toward the end, and and really was a guy who wanted the ball to get fouled once Carolina was actually called for fouls, uh, and and did a great job stepping up to the line. Would have loved to see him make all of them. He ended up missing the the very last one of the eight he took late in the game, but um, just just a just a joy to watch. <laughs> Uh, at this point from him, uh, just, just the effort level and, and uh, just the passion is, uh, is pretty hard, pretty inescapable at this point, I'd say. Yeah, I, the thing about X that I've loved the most watching him over the last year and a half-ish uh, is just watching him mature. I mean, he's become such a steady presence for Indiana. I mean, he's an explosive presence, but he also steadies the team. The team's better when he's on the floor. I mean, you've got a five-star freshman who is an unbelievable point guard, who's great. And if Indiana only had Jalen Huchifino, they'd be a really good team. They would. But with Xavier Johnson, they're a great team. And and quite frankly, when he is on, he's as good as any point guard we're going to face this year. Maybe not ceiling-wise, but as a college basketball player, he is outstanding. And he, he knows the rhythms of the game on both ends of the floor really well. You'll see him get a little... Uh, frustrated every once in a while. And you see that kind of the X we saw at the start of last season come out a bit where he, you know, wants to argue with an official or talk some trash or whatever. But there's, it's almost like, you know, there was a big devil on his shoulder last year, small angel. And it's like, they've swapped in sizes and he's just kind of reining it in a little. And he knows, Hey, if I screw up, I don't have to make it. I don't have to make a spectacular play to compound it, you know, just play solid. And I will, up and, and and it will it will come back to me and so you know one thing that was encouraging is he dropped 20 tonight and didn't hit a three i mean he, he was 0 three for three point range usually when he has a high scoring game it's because he knocks down a couple threes and so he was really attacking getting into the lane and finding his teammates he had four assists as well so and getting iu settled and getting them into things so it's great having the two ball handlers but without without xavier johnson the ceiling on the team just isn't as high Coach just texted us a picture of him sitting next to Miller Cop at the, uh, <laughs> in, the in the media session. That's going to go up in his man cave, I bet. Uh, Andy, you had a, me- a moment as well. Uh, yeah, there was one. Uh, IU went on a nine-two run to start the second half, and I think Hubert Davis was trying to make it to the under sixteen timeout, and they did not make it to the under sixteen timeout. And a really nice piece of coaching by Mike Woodson. IU comes out, puts full court pressure on, and gets a five-second call coming out of a timeout which they then turned into uh, a bucket right away on a lob from uh cop to, to TJD, not quite for a dunk, but one that he was able to lay in just, just kind of a, a smart coaching wrinkle to change something up coming out of the timeout. You had all the momentum, strong execution by the guys. And then to turn that into like, not just we're going to throw the ball back out and run something else, but to really get something off of that, uh, that inbounds play, which they ran a few times, didn't get it. Uh, to trace every time, but we're able to run it really uh, even on both sides of the floor. But um, just thought that was kind of a, a, a nice little wrinkle, a good, uh, you know, coaching coaching point, and you and you steal yourself a couple points there. All right, well, let's talk numbers real quick. Uh, and I don't know that we need to spend a whole lot of time here um, because this wasn't a numbers game to me. This was a, you know, I mean, this was it was just 
you know, an effort and grit and togetherness game that Indiana had. But I, but you know, I do think there are some numbers that that stand out. One, you know, Indiana holds North Carolina point nine five six points per possession. That's one of the best offenses, certainly one of the most talented offensive teams in the country. And I get, you know, Baycott's a little bit compromised physically, but they held him to point nine five six, and that's with North Carolina taking twenty seven free throws, of which several I don't think they deserved. And so you remove those and that point per possession number. Yeah, well, I'm trying to be charitable here because it's a happy show. Um, But North Carolina for the game shoots 33.9%. I mean, just, you know. 27.8 from three. I mean, there's a team that can shoot it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as Jay Billis mentioned several times, everything was hard. You know, everything was difficult for them. And that's what was so great about watching this team play defense is they were contesting everything. It wasn't just kind of sitting back and kind of reacting to the offense. It was imposing their will on what North Carolina was trying to do. And that combined with the dominance in the paint, North Carolina scores 24 points in the paint, Indiana 50. That's the game. You know, that's where the game was won. And we've talked a lot about Indiana's three-point shooting and how they would need to make threes to beat good teams. Well, they were four for 12 against Xavier. They were three for 13 against North Carolina. You know, and right now, the reason, Andy, why I think this team is able to do that is obviously Trace Jackson Davis' singular greatness of being that efficient in the post, but also Indiana's ability to get those points in transition that help you, you know, have efficient offense even when you're not making the threes. And so it's clear that this team, you know, I still think, you know, the, the three-point shooting is going to be needed in certain games. It's not to that. say that they don't need it. But for them to do that in these two big games that were such tough physical games, you know, against, you know, talented teams, says a lot about what this team can do um, and just how many more options they have offensively, you know, because it did seem like the offense was pretty disjointed at times tonight. And yet, Andy, they go, you know, 1.132 points per possession in large part because their defense created so many easy opportunities for them on offense. Yeah, the points off turnovers ended up 17 to four. And those 17 points only off of 10 North Carolina turnovers. So it wasn't like there was a huge uh, volume of those. We, we touched on some of the fast break points uh, earlier. And, and I think it was a game where IU was really successful getting the ball where they wanted it in the lane. I mean, they shot 57% on twos. Uh, in the game, so I'm not sure you need to to really force a whole lot uh, of, of taking threes. I thought when situations presented itself and they tried to double trace in the post, um, they were able to kick out and get threes that way. But largely, it was go inside first and then uh, you know try to figure things out from that perspective. But yeah, I think uh, to your point, the defense was really uh, the tone setter here. I, I mean, uh, Jay Billis references on the, the broadcast, you know, North Carolina finishes with five assists for the whole game. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just, everything devolved into one-on-one basketball yep. for the most part, because was, IU took them out minutes. of what they wanted to do. And that was almost the whole game. I mean, it was yeah, a stretch five minutes in the first in the game. half. Yeah. yeah. There was a stretch in the first half. They started running some plays for Pete Nance. And it was the only thing that resembled true offense uh, for a stretch, it was actually one of North Carolina's most successful uh, offensive stretches when they were actually running some of that. But otherwise, everything just broke down into, you know, go around a moving screen from uh, the North Carolina big of your choice, and then uh, and then see what you can create off of that. But man, I mean, five to limit them to five assists and really force them into taking some bad shots. And some of the shots that North Carolina did hit were incredibly difficult shots. Um, all of Nancy's in your shots face that you would, you know, they bank in a three at the beginning. I think, you know, a couple of 
the ones that Caleb Love hit were both tough shots. Maybe R.J. Davis was one of them, but um, just really made everything difficult for them, like you said. You know, conversely, Jared, it, it, it speaks to what the offense was tonight that Indiana shot 50% from the field. You know, I, it's mm-hmm. because they were attacking. They were doing what they did. And, and you're right. Look, it, eventually there's going to be a game, a big game they run into where they're not going to be able to score in the paint at will. I mean, they've got great players and they'll be, maybe be able to play a team even in the paint, you know, at, at worst. They're going to have to, they're going to have to knock down some threes. They will. Uh, they didn't need to tonight. And, and maybe it depends on the flow of the game and you feel it out. But, you know, Miller Cop wasn't out there for, he's your best shooter. He wasn't out there for long stretches because Trey Galloway was having such a good game. And just the flow of the game was an attacking inside game. And he needed his defense. You wanted his defense out there as well. Um, but that's going to need to happen. It is. I mean, you know, not to put a damper on it, but at some point they've got to start knocking down threes in these bigger games. It's tougher. The defenses are better. The players are playing are more athletic. But against Kansas, Arizona, you know, some of the big Big Ten matchups, going to need to do it. And and But tonight was an example of finding what didn't look like a glaring weakness for North Carolina coming in. There were questions that maybe, hey, maybe Baycott will play Trace Jackson Davis even. And, you know, Race Thompson and Nance is a pretty good matchup. Maybe you're going to have to find scoring other places. That wasn't the case. Indiana dominated. And they dominated with their guards in the paint, too. It wasn't just those the, the big guys. So, um you know, it worked tonight and it worked great tonight. And you're right. But getting those points in transition does make up for some threes that you, you might not have. They have 12 points of transition. That's four threes. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's a way to be efficient without hitting those at the same time. That, that is something we still have to harp on and focus on. They, they need to, they need to knock those down and they're going to need to, to have to put the kind of ceiling on this season that, that we want. They're going to have to start hitting some of those. Yeah, the only other number I wanted to mention, uh, and it's really just an excuse to talk about this guy, is one for six for Malik Renu, uh, you know, who found the going a little bit tougher inside. You know, I didn't think, and I actually thought most of those shots were good. I think he forced one early, you know, and obviously took a three, but he was wide open. Like, I think he needs to take that shot. Yeah, he just missed it. And then in the second half, he was getting position, had a ton of good looks, had that nice little lefty, you know, kind of jump hook, and he just missed them. Um, I have zero concern about Malik Renu. Uh, you know, yes, you know, kind of some freshman moments, a foul away from the basket and a few things like that. But I thought he got the ball in good positions and the shots just didn't fall. But, you know, like Jalen Huchifino, he got in there and got to his spots and did his thing. You know, he was ready to play uh, and the shots just didn't go down. And, and I think that's, you know, another area, you know, on a normal night, he hits a couple of those. It's 81-65, you know. So I'm uh, not not concerned at all um, about him, uh, you know, and thought he did some good things out there, just wasn't able to make some of the shots that he normally is. Yeah, it, with Malik, I, you know, this is the first time he's gone against grown men. I mean, yeah. let's be real. I mean, this is the first time he's faced real college big men. And he did struggle. I think he, it was harder for him to get position. You know, the defense was a little better on him when he'd try and drive a little bit. Um, and he was getting out-muscled a little bit at times. Now, Again, he's a freshman. That's going to happen. It's just weird seeing it because of how successful he's been. But, you know, Baycott and Pete Nance are, you know, large dudes in there that are very strong. And he's just going to have to get used to that. And also, I will say for freshmen, I mean, I know Jalen handled it really well. But, you know, in that atmosphere with that kind of adrenaline going and everything, if you haven't had that yet, it can be a little, it can get you going a little fast. Maybe you don't finish all the way through your shot. You kind of just throw it up a little quick or you go too fast or too slow here or think too much that happens. And so I, again, I'm not concerned either, 
Uh, worth noting, though, that it was the biggest challenge he's had yet in college. Struggled with it. He'll learn from it and move on. Uh, again, you're right that he came in and didn't seem shy of the moment at all. Just wasn't able to accomplish what he was trying to accomplish. And he'll have to you know, work on that moving forward. He also got into foul trouble quick, too. So yep. kind of throws you off a little bit. Um, but yeah, not concerned at all about, about Malik. Not his best game, but we've said from the beginning, Jalen and Malik are going to have freshman games where the other guys have to step up and pick them up. And tonight was one of those. Yeah, I think with with him, the, the only turnover he had was, I think, right after he came into the game, he was just a little loose with his dribble trying to get in. That was really the bigger issue. I thought he could get to the spots that he wanted to get the ball without having to put it on the floor. And so that was really where he was, you know, maybe a little careless with it. Um, if if you want to look at positives with him, I think there's a couple that, that, that I would give. One is he's not afraid to go against anybody. I mean, he went right at Baycott as soon as he got in the game. Uh, Almost like he was maybe that's a blessing. It. Maybe that's a curse. Yeah. I don't really. It's know, not even that he's, he's not, not afraid. Like he wants yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was one. And the, and the other, there were a couple of times late in the first half, especially after Trace went out, that they really tried to go at him defensively. And one of the times he did a really good job of pushing Baycott out, made him take a tough shot, a hook from you know maybe eight feet away, did a really good job. Um, didn't foul there. Another time he let himself get back down a little bit and did give up a basket. But I thought he showed some good things on that end against the. Uh, a tough cover uh, for him. So a little bit inconsistent in that regard, but I thought showed some good things there and uh, a great learning opportunity for him, given the guys he was playing against, because there's uh, certainly no shortage of big guys in the big 10 who are going to challenge him as well. And so good for him to get this under his belt and uh, could easily look and say, Hey, there's a, you know, a couple of those baskets fall that, that rattled around the rim and, and ended up going out. Uh, the Ken Palm numbers are updated. Indiana second in the country in effective field goal percentage uh, offensively, uh, fifth in two-point percentage, and they are 13th in defensive two-point percentage, 11th overall in defense. So, I mean, this team profiling right now, uh, 13th in offense, 11th in defense as one of the elite teams in college basketball right now. Uh, and, you yeah, know, that's two with two real games. games. Yeah. yeah, two real games. Uh, only other number, fellas, uh, 16 rebounds. Uh, no, 17 rebounds uh, between Xavier Johnson, Jalen Hutcherfino, and Trey Galloway. A number of coaches been looking at a lot to guard rebounds, which is big on a night when Race Thompson only got two rebounds in 27 minutes. Malik Renew only gets three rebounds. You know, those guards needed to rebound, and they did. They stepped up as they've been doing uh, all season long. How about that Hutchifino rebound where he grabbed it with one hand, brought so it down, good. and kept the dribble? He, it's like you don't, Jalen. You can pick that up and start over again. You don't have to keep that, keep that going. They'll say. And he actually he boxed out. Like we saw a real oh, yeah. box out. It was he great. went up. He grabbed it with one hand, brought it down, lost it a little, and instead of just picking it up, started to dribble and dribbled between his legs and then dribbled it out and then said, "No, I got it. I'm good. I'm good, man." Like that was, was ridiculous. So great. So great. All right, coming up on the assembly call and our final segment, we are going to hand out our game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award. That is going to be a challenge. We'll discuss a lingering question or two and then look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, even the late ones, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Uh, we have almost 10,000 people on that list. You can join for free, join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. As soon as we wrap this, I'm going to be working on our postgame email, and that will be out first thing in the morning. Uh, so make sure you get on there. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips here with Andy Bottoms. And it is time now for our game balls, which are presented by our friends at Bloom Environmental, where Allie and James and the crew help folks in southern and south central Indiana maintain healthy air quality in their home or business. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. And when you mention this ad, you get 23% off all their testing services. A nod, of course. To the great TJD, uh, who, if he wins this game ball, is really going to start running away uh, with the with the game ball contest, as you would assume that your All-American would do. Uh, but I'm curious where you guys are going with your game balls. If anybody has a curveball. Ryan, why don't you lead us off? Uh, it's got to be Trace Jackson Davis. As I okay. said uh, earlier, he, the best player on the floor, and both teams knew it. Everybody in the arena knew it. The announcers knew it. The opposing radio broadcast knew it. You know, I mean, everybody knew it. And every time he stepped on the floor – I swear you could see North Carolina slump their shoulders because we got to deal with this guy again, you know, and you know, the, the, I think one of the best parts of it, he's only played 31 minutes and, and he was that efficient with 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists and four blocks. And all four of those blocks were emphatic. So really just a great, and as you mentioned, Jared, he also affected shots that he didn't block. So it's gotta be TJD. As you guys know, I am normally one who doesn't like the auto bench with two fouls. And my initial reaction when he was saying, leave me in, leave me in, is leave him in. The man wants to stay, leave him in. I even tweeted about it, and I immediately thought better of it. And I actually I thought it was really smart by Mike Woodson to take him out. Number one, I thought he might just be taking him out until the under four-minute timeout, give him a little rest. But I think letting him sit there you know, the reduction of risk on the third foul, I don't really care about, but you know, for a guy that has obviously been dealing with some injuries, you know, to kind of buy some time there and keep him fresh for the second half. That's where I think context made that a good decision. Um, so I did, uh, I did endorse that decision and look, you know, trace came out and was terrific, uh, in the second half. So I fully agree. Uh, he gets my game ball. Um, 
you know, just a just a terrific all around performance on both ends. I mean, him, the way that he has rounded out who he is as a player, both as a leader uh, and just his ability to impact on both ends consistently. You know, that's always kind of been the question with Trace is he can fade in and out of games and even from game to game. And we're not we're just not seeing that this year. I mean, he when he is on the court, he is bringing it and he is setting a tone for his teammates. All the old guys are X doing the same thing. Locked you know, in. this team has terrific internal leadership. Um, and that starts with Trace. Uh, Andy, do you want to go with Trace or do you want to maybe toss in, a, you know, a, a, another vote since he already has it wrapped up? No, no reason to get uh, no reason to get cute with it. He's he's the pick for me, so I'll uh, I'll make it unanimous. So Trace now with four game balls, Malik Renew, Xavier Johnson, and Tamar Bates all have one. And of course, whoever wins the game ball contest, we are going to take uh, a portion of the money that Bloom and Viro paid us and pay them uh, to come on do an interview. A nice little reward. Trace Jackson Davis out uh, out big right now in the lead uh, for that one. And you know what? Games like tonight are why we created the Hoosier Hustle Award, because more people deserve honors. I kind of feel like we need to create three or four more awards uh, to award guys for tonight. But we have the Hoosier Hustle Award, and we will get to that now. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal reminding you to check out our friends at Evansville Security Services. Based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney, Evansville Security Services has been providing off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals since 2001. In other words, they're in the business of prevention and peace of mind. And remember, prevention cannot be measured. To learn more about how Evansville Security Services can help you preserve your peace of mind by preventing bad outcomes, Visit EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. You know, there's a lot of reasons to uh, to love and respect Anthony Leal, who obviously didn't play tonight as he uh, you know nurses his leg injury. But right after the game, he tweets right back here tomorrow night for the Indiana women's game, huge game, uh, which is awesome. Indiana plays North Carolina tomorrow night. We have two top ten teams. That team uh, is great. And all I could think about when Jay Billis said this has been a man's game tonight is Jay Billis needs to watch the Indiana women play because that's the kind of tough physical basketball that they play. There's nothing nothing uh, man-specific about the way that that basketball was played tonight and always cool to see uh, other IU athletes uh, supporting each other. I saw Taiwan Mullen say that he needs a Trey Galloway jersey. So <laughs> lots, of, lots of love from the fellow athletes. Um, who's your hustle award? I think there's a lot of different ways that you can go with this, but I have a hunch where we're all going. Andy, why don't you go first? You did. If you Sorry. want to. No, I was looking up, I was trying to look up something about Rutgers and I got, uh, I, I didn't get back in time to, uh, to be look. present. What are you doing? Anyway. <laughs> right, hey, I got to get ready for the next part. Of, I'm prepping for the next part of the show. It's That's also, what I get to do now. It's also 1235 AM here. So anyway, uh, I, I'm going to go with Galloway uh, for this one. I think Galloway and X feel like the, the potential options. And I don't think you'd really go wrong with either one of them, but I just thought, uh, you know, in some ways, I view this award as as somebody who really provides a spark uh, through the way that they play and and how hard they play. And I thought that was exactly what Trey gave them uh, tonight. And and in some ways, that comes from a not un, not totally unexpected source, but I don't think you knew what you were going to get from him tonight, coming back from injury for sure. So in that regard, 
uh, probably was unexpected a, a little bit, but I just thought the plays that he made, it, how disruptive he was defensively, uh, was really kind of embodies what you think of with the with the Hoosier Hustle Award. Now you could probably take the same things I just said and say about X and say he should get it, and you will get absolutely no argument from me. Ryan, who gets your Hoosier Hustle Award? I'm going to give it to Galloway as well. I just thought that when he was in there, he really elevated Indiana. The weird thing is looking at it, and again, this is why plus minus is a dumb stat. He, he was only plus six, but it felt like Indiana was at its best when he was out there providing that spark. And um, I, I, I thought several times it felt like, wow, he's he's one of the better two or three players on the court right now uh, for this stretch. And you know, for a guy who was, you know. I don't want to say he was an unheralded recruit or anything. I mean, he was, you know, and you had, people were excited about him, but he was, you know, I don't think he was a top 100 guy. And to be out there with all of that talent, all of those five stars, all of that, and to be, you know, as disruptive as he was against them uh, was really impressive. And it just shows you the kind of guy he is and the kind of player he is and the kind of energy he brings and the kind of discipline he has on both ends uh, to make something happen. And uh, yeah, I, I just thought he was such a spark. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's a lot of ways you can go with this. I thought Jordan Geronimo played extremely hard in his minutes. I thought Jalen Hutchifino played really hard. I thought Miller Kopp played really hard, you know, didn't get a lot of opportunities as a shooter tonight, um, you know, but I thought, you know, got some rebounds kind of out of his area and just, you know, played, played, really good, good, played good, solid defense. Yeah, but I, but I agree with you guys. I think it's got to be Trey. I just think how hard he played defensively against Caleb Love – I swear you could just see Caleb Love's soul just like leaking out of his body and just, you know, laying there on the assembly hall court. He wanted no part of that, you know, and and for Trey to do that coming off of, you know, the injury that he's dealing with, which is a you know lower leg injury. Um, it was terrific. I mean, he was just a, a huge spark plug, uh, you know, played hard. But this was a night where so many guys could have gotten it. And that's what made this game so much fun to watch is they all were so connected you know, there were a couple miscommunications in the first half. You know, they had a miscommunication on a couple switches, but otherwise everything seemed tighter and more connected tonight. You know, so some of these concerns that we've had on here after a 300-level game where the defense was a little leaky, it's okay, we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> you know, like when this team, when the bell rings, this team clearly is going to answer it uh, as they showed tonight. So Trey Galloway wins his first Hoosier Hustle Award uh, of the season. Jordan Geronimo and Xavier Johnson both have two. CJ Gunn, Race Thompson, and Trey Galloway all with one. Um, Ryan, it appears in the chat that we have a trivia time. Do you have you have questions for us here as we enter I, the lingering just, questions section of the I, show? I was looking at the numbers just for the season. Um Without looking, guys, who do you okay. think leads Indiana in minutes this year? Huchifino. That would be my guess. By a lot. Yeah. 196 and second is 178 is X. And here's a question. There are two guys tied for the highest plus minus. Again, plus minus is a dumb stat. I just think it's fun to look at. Who do you think leads Indiana in plus minus this year? There's two guys tied. Plus minus for the season. Yeah. Geronimo? Nope. Geronimo I know, is. I know he second. had really. High, I know he had really high plus minus a couple games. He's second. I mean, there's two guys tied, but he would be next. Is it Tamar? That's one of them. <laughs> Who I want to talk about, by the way, after this. Okay. The other is Jalen Hutchifino. They're both tied yeah. at one, 109. <laughs> X is 105, and Geronimo is 106. Now TJD is low because he missed a, he, he missed uh, a game, so it's. But yeah. still, he's also facing starters, so you know. 
Yep. But I, I just that that was funny to me is that Jalen Hutchfino's leading team in minutes. He led and and what I was checking on is he led the team in minutes tonight with 35. And so I was wondering where he stood for the season. And he's far ahead of everybody else by like 20 minutes. So I, I I mean that's interesting that they're leaning on him heavily. Now he's playing with the second unit sometimes during those blowouts, and so that probably has a lot to do with it. Uh, but still, there he's he's been out there a lot this year. For a freshman, you know they're really not shy about having him out there and big moments and, and in blowouts too. I want to talk just real quick about scoop, you know, who, you know, only you know, he played 12 minutes, you know, hit that three. And I think one of the big questions coming out of last game is okay. He scores 20 some points. He looked real confident, you know, but again, Xavier, he really didn't look very comfortable. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable out there today. I mean, he came in his first possession. He was wide open. He fired up the three. Now he missed it, but he just seemed a little bit more comfortable using his dribble, kind of getting to, you know, his spots, um, and again, you know, only had the one three pointer, but I do think there were a few kind of signs of growth from him that you want to see from an offensive perspective. Um, I mean, did you guys agree? Like what kind of sense did you get watching him tonight? Yeah, I think one of the things we texted about was, I think he's trying to figure out what the balance is between last season when I think he was almost aggressive to a fault in terms of trying to take shots, make things happen. And this year, there might be times when he's deferring a little too much. There was a couple of plays in a row. There was one, they got it to him at the top of the key off a ball reversal. And I'm in my head thinking he's just going to drive. Now, he made the extra pass to Geronimo, who's wide open on the wing for a three. And if that shot goes in, I, I think that was a, a you know moment where maybe that would have pushed the lead to double digits. Crowd would have gone crazy, but it, it felt like he had an opportunity to drive. And then there was another one. He made a really nice baseline drive, and he ended up making a good pass to the corner, but felt like there was even an opportunity to take a shot with that. So I think you're seeing a guy who um, is settling into a role that's a little bit different than what he had a year ago when probably too much was put on him when he was playing with the second unit and now trying to figure out how to play a more complementary role with those guys and and just balance out the right level of aggressiveness versus – uh, unselfishness and uh, and things like that. So I think still saw some good things from him. Fought defensively just like everybody else did Very much. Uh, at times in the game and 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 doing some good things in that regard. So n- no real concern from from me. Thought he acquitted himself fine. Just you know maybe some things that they look back at the film. Maybe he would you know make a different decision in a couple of cases. They weren't bad decisions in either case. He made a pass, found a teammate, didn't turn the ball over. Just uh, you know maybe was a more aggressive play or shot to be taken yeah I, I think it was in his mind to be more aggressive maybe somebody got into him because that that charge he he had was forced I mean that was the only thing he forced really and he kind of lowered his shoulder and there was yeah. nothing really there and I think it was just kind of like well I got to drive so let's go and and I think you're right Andy that time he caught it at the top of the key I thought it would have been perfect for either a drive to the hoop or a one you know a two dribble to that that mid-range pull-up that he really loves um, his first three went in and out and then he made one and so fine with those, both of those shots, I would like to see him try and get into the flow of the offense a little more attacking wise. And, and maybe it felt forced tonight. They had a lot of big guys down low. Maybe that's not to his specialty. Um, what we have seen him do a lot so far this year is get out in transition and be a great finisher in transition. Didn't really have any opportunities to do that when he was on the floor or, you know, Galloway got it or, or, you know, something like that. But again, no major concerns from him tonight. I mean, I, I, I would like to see him maybe take advantage when he has those one-on-one opportunities to drive, like you pointed out, but nothing, nothing concerning from him. Uh, you're not going to score 
20 points every game. You're not going to score 10 points every game. Uh, play your role, and when you have the opportunities, go take them. It's the same with, with Malik tonight. Only had two points. Then he played horribly. You know, it isn't what we were used to seeing, not what we'd love to see from him in the future, but it doesn't mean he played a bad game. It just, you know, you fill in your role and do things, uh, you know, in other, in other ways. Lingering question, Ryan, I want to ask you about race Thompson, uh, you know, who has been less productive than we've been used to, you know, in some of the cupcake games. And I think we chalked it up to, you know, as Jay Billis said, he was recruited by branch McCracken, you know, so how is he really going to get up for these games? But Indiana has now played two, you know, tier A games against Xavier, uh, you know, up there and then against North Carolina. And in those two games, his offensive rating is 79. His defensive rebounding percentage is 12.1%. He's only taken seven twos. He's made three of them. He's 0 for 5 from three. You know, you just compare that to last year, you know, in those tier A games, his offensive rating 110. His defensive rebounding percentage, you know, 22.5. It's noticeable how much less productive he is. And part of that is being surrounded by other guys and guards who are getting rebounds and some of those things. But I don't think that accounts for all of it. What are you seeing from, from race and, and you know, what, what is his role on this team to you? So two things, one, I thought defensively he was really good tonight. I, I really did think he moved very well. Nance hit some really tough shots over him where he forced him, the, the idea with him, make him shoot over you. And he did that all night. Nance banked some in. Nance had some off top, tough angles, went over the top of him. I, I think it's exactly what you want from him. Get in the guy's way, make him go over top of you. Don't let him get by you. He did that. Um, you're right that we haven't seen him with the energy or bounce that we've seen in the past. He's not, the thing is, it's, he's probably where about where everyone else is energy-wise, but we're used to seeing him on another level. Uh, offensively, a lot of his points last year came doing high-low with Trace Jackson Davis. A lot of it came when Jackson Davis was on the bench and they had him posting up straight. Well, they've got Malik Renew to do that now. Yeah. They're not playing high-low anymore. They're doing a lot of pick-and-roll with the guards, and they are doing straight post-ups. There's a very little of race catching the ball at the free-throw line and going over the top to TJD or vice versa. So that's changed, and that is not there. Now, maybe against different opponents, that will come back. Do I think that this is he's just fine no there's he hasn't been playing as well um i'm not concerned yet because this is a guy who has a several year track record of doing the same thing over and over we don't know what's going on we're not in practice we don't know if this is an overall thing but yes there is something going on where he's not as effective offensively you were hoping he'd hit some threes this year he's done it a little bit but i mean he airballed one tonight i think didn't he it was not it was almost looked like shot. it slipped out of his hands it, it did weird. i mean it was it was clear it did it came off to the side um but yeah no i mean and you know which with trace out he he did score some you know in that game trace was out he played really well in in that was attacking and everything i think it's hard for him when he's not you know doing that two man game I think that that was what really benefited both of them. They have great chemistry on that and they're not doing it this year as much. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously whatever they're doing is working. Uh, yeah. It's just not working to get race points. So we'll see how he settles into this. It's almost like he's, you know, learning a different role. He's on the perimeter a lot more. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I, I just, I, I think we're, we're going to have to see how he settles into the game. And by I'd say the end of December, we'll know what he's going to be this year. Yeah. Um, all right, Andy, unless do you guys have any other lingering questions that we want to get to? 
Andy's only lingering question is, I want to go to bed. Andy, thank you for your courage and staying up late tonight. Not really a question, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's look ahead. Uh, Indiana plays Rutgers. Well, uh, we do have a show tomorrow night, by the way. It's going to be Coach Tonsoni and Coach Adrania, so you'll get some different perspectives uh, on the game than you got here from us. Uh, They'll be on Assembly Call Radio tomorrow night. And then Saturday, Indiana plays Rutgers. It is a four-eastern tip. I know... My initial fear was, oh my goodness, you know, the U.S. men's national team made it into uh, the knockout round of the World Cup, but they play at 10 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. So you have plenty of time, get up early, watch them, take a nap, and then watch watch Indiana play Rutgers. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. You, you get to be on the Pacific time tonight, so it's good for you. Uh, Andy, you know, last year when Indiana had a huge home win against Purdue, uh, they came out the next time out and just had one of their worst performances of the season against Michigan. And so now they turn around, they go on the road to Rutgers, a team that obviously doesn't have, you know, IU killers, Geo Baker and Ron Harper, but they're still Rutgers and it's still the rack or the Jersey Mike center, or whatever it's called now. It'll always be the rack to me. Um, that's, that's a tough game, you know, to have to turn around and play, even if Rutgers doesn't seem as good that's a program that's owned us for several years now. Um, you know, what do we expect? And, uh, you know, from, uh, from this Rutgers team, I saw Mulcahy was out again tonight, so I don't know what his status is going to be. Yeah. I, I read a little bit of their post game. That was when I was unable to get myself off of uh, mute in a timely fashion. Didn't sound like he'd been practicing. I know Pykel said he needed to be able to get through a contact practice where he could play. And he hadn't been able to do that yet. I guess he's got shoulder injury of some kind and, and Caleb McConnell, was only his second game back after a knee injury, and he played a ton, uh, it seemed like. But depth-wise, they just don't have um, – didn't have a lot and, and are playing a lot of uh, either guys in, in vastly expanded roles or uh, I think the guy leading them in scoring is a transfer from Loyola, Maryland, uh, Cam Spencer. So, uh, a, a, you know, different cast of characters for Rutgers, but you look right now and they're 12th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So – Different cast of characters, but uh, but you know, kind of the same way to go about Still things. A pain so in the ass to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at them, they're second in three point defense, seventh in effective field goal defense, and twelfth uh, in, in defensive turnover rate. So look really good there. Offensively, things have been a struggle uh, with some guys in and out. They've really only played two uh top 100 ken palm teams they've lost to both of them uh one being temple the other being at miami tonight um but they were up i think midway through the second half of the the miami game and and miami's a solid team so i I think to a certain extent while the faces may change you have a pretty good idea what you're in for and uh trace pretty much said as much after the game when you know talking about that that that's you know kind of that that has been a team that's had their number and uh, they know how tough it's going to be. So at least he sounds like he's saying all the right things and in, in, uh, in that regard and, and shifting focus from this game to that one. Uh, but uh, will not be an easy one, but would be a great opportunity to get an early Big Ten road win, uh, especially coming home to play Nebraska. Could you get out to a 2-0 start in these couple games and uh, give yeah. yourself a little momentum from a Big Ten perspective as you go through that? So uh, will not be easy by any means. Will probably be a rock fight if IU is able to come out and play defense like they uh, played it, uh, this evening and, uh, kind of see what happens, but, uh, I think you pretty much know what you're going to know what you're going to get from a Rutgers game, but I think maybe fewer offensive weapons to really try to, you know, shut down and be, and be cognizant of, and another good, 
a big man matchup with uh, Omaruyi. Um, yeah. uh, and so uh, another another good test for Trace. But he's really the only big guy Rutgers has. So if you can do some things, get him in some foul trouble, give yourself an opportunity to, to really um, you know play through the post. When it does feel like Indiana, maybe not last year, but it does feel like Indiana has taken Rutgers a little bit lightly. And I do not fear that. I do not fear that we will take them lightly. I don't think Trace or any of the other guys will allow that to happen. It would be foolish. Their post-game too. show host certainly will not take Rutgers lightly. No, in the last few years. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I wish. Uh, <laughs> I wish we could, but we. Time has proven that that cannot be cannot be the case. No. All right. Well, hey, remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code Home at checkout to get fifteen percent off your first order. Gentlemen, it is time for last call. Uh, Andy, we'll let you lead off. You know, the one thing that we didn't talk about, um, and I was going to try to shoehorn this into the the stats, so I guess I'll shoehorn it into this, was uh, late-game execution from this team. Mm. I think everybody, uh, myself included, has been conditioned in recent years to expect the absolute worst uh, in late-game scenarios as, you know, a lead starts to get a little and rightfully so I'm not I'm not judging anyone like I said I'm, I'm yeah. including myself in this but if you look at the last uh was this 12 possessions of the game IU scored on 10 of them now a lot of those were free throws at the end of the game but that's also a big part of it eight of ten free throws uh down the stretch but you saw different guys able to contribute and IU really in those situations got the ball where they wanted to Galloway had that one breakaway layup TJD gets a a, a shot inside race gets a shot inside uh, then there was a possession. One of the two possessions out of the 12 they didn't score on was the one where they missed what felt like about nine shots right by the basket uh, where they just couldn't get one to tip in and things like that. So, you know, by all accounts, could have scored on 11 of the last 12 possessions of the game, took care of the basketball minus the one Jalen Hutchifino, uh turnover, but you had X hitting a shot. You had TJD hitting a hook in there, and then X and Galloway going to combine eight for 10 down the line. Uh, or from the line down the stretch. And so, you know, you look at some of those things, uh, the defense was great, but you needed to be able to close the game out, uh, even though North Carolina just was hanging around and felt like you should be up more and everything's going against you. And this team was calm in the face of that down the stretch, which is uh, another reason to get excited about them, to be confident in them, and to maybe – uh, the next time you get late in the game, maybe feel a little bit less nervous energy uh, as you're watching that the things may go awry. So uh, just all around a tremendous performance from the, the team tonight. Great win for the program. I know Woodson praised everybody from the coaching staff to the, you know, every guy up and down the roster that came in and played because the energy level was so good. Uh, and this, uh, you know, how many times have we said this needs to, you know, the standard needs to be this, but it only matters as much as how you come out the next game. And and I think in some ways it's good that the next game is a tough one and is against yeah. somebody that they've not had success for and that will not allow them to to overlook things and, and go from there. So excited to see how they respond after this, um, you know, at the at Rutgers. And, you know, we looked at these big four games coming into the season and said, everybody said, if you give me two and two, I'm going to be excited. All right, well, now you're playing with house money. You're two and zero in the first two. Can you get one of the other two and finish three in one of those big four games? Um, you've taken care of business in the first two, so now, uh, now just let it ride. See what happens on the next ones. And how about Coach Knight visiting practice this week and telling Trace Jackson Davis, "You didn't come here to play. You came here to win." Awesome, 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 awesome. 
He, I'm, you know, I'm sure he enjoyed watching that defensive effort tonight. Ryan, last call. You know, this is just a great night for Indiana basketball. I mean, those coaches, those players, those fans, everything, but just Indiana basketball in general, the whole, the whole state. Let's give it. You know, I mean, this is what Indiana's supposed to be, and this is what it's supposed to feel like. This is this is why we started this post game show is to feel like this. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> hasn't been a lot of that over the years. Um, Nine games you know, in was the watch shot. Yeah. <laughs> we peaked early. And peaked very early. Um, who was there tonight, by the way, Christian? Walker. Yes, he was. Always good having him in attendance in a big game. Um, so yeah, I, this is this is what we're here for. This is what we're here for. This is what the listeners and the YouTube audience and, and everyone who follows us is here for. It's, it's not like nice like this. This is why we do this. This is why we follow this team. This is why we dedicate this corner of our lives to, to this program and, and stuff. And it feels great when it actually happens, you know, I mean, it's almost, you've almost forgotten what it feels like to feel like you've got a great team that can, that can play with anyone. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to win every game. Uh, but this team plays hard. It plays smart plays great defense, and it has the kind of players that you love to root for. And it's really everything you want in an Indiana basketball team, and it's a pleasure to watch, and it's a pleasure to come on here and talk about it after, after a game. And um, and I just – this was a great night, and uh, I look forward to hopefully many more of those this year. Now, we texted each other before the game that there's a huge momentum opportunity for the program, and they seized it. You know, it's the kind of night that creates lifetime fans. You know, if you're at this game, it leaves an indelible mark. And I'm really, I'm happy with how it worked out. It would have been fun if North Carolina was number one and kind of came in and Indiana was kind of playing the role of the underdog and you had that whole scene. But I'm kind of happy how it happened where, you know, they came in and it was more of, hey, the pressure's a little bit on Indiana here to take care of business. And there wasn't a big to-do after the game. It wasn't like everybody rushed the court and, you know, like Mark Titus was talking about in our preview and, we, you, know, we're, you know, printing, we're back shirts. It was more, we're a top 10 team and we beat another top 25 team at home because that's what we do. There are no more upsets at Assembly Hall. This is just what we do. And this is where the program has needed to get back to. And here it is. And now I think we're going to learn a lot more about this team by how they go and approach this game coming up at Rutgers. And I think... Every IU fan is, has to just be ecstatic seeing those quotes from Trace Jackson Davis, uh, you know, just showing the kind of leader that he is, keeping everybody focused. This team has big goals, um, you know, and they have the talent to do it, and it really seems like they have all of the other intangible elements that it'll take too. Obviously, it's early. The last time that we beat North Carolina early in the season and we're a top 10 team, our coach was fired at the end of the year. So a lot can change between now and then. But this team has all the hallmarks that you look for in a team that's going to be able to play well into December and January and February and March and keep improving. And man, tonight was just a great night of basketball. So much fun watching them play so hard. And if they're going to bring that kind of effort every night, they're going to win a whole lot of basketball games, and it's going to be a really, really fun season. Congrats to everybody uh, on the team in the program. Great night for Indiana basketball, Ryan, as you said. Uh, and it was just a, a pleasure watching it and a pleasure talking about it. All right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall, and don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. And special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. 
And of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you tomorrow night for AC Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right, gentlemen. What a night. What a night. Andy, you don't have anything to do tomorrow, right? You can sleep in till noon. Oh, yeah, that'd be that'd be great if I didn't. Get out of here, dude. Just go. <laughs> it's, you don't have to do the post-mortem. Virtually the entire day, so it should be Just a good curl time. up right there. Turn your camera yeah, off. Just fall asleep. We'll just have a Absolutely. live stream of you sleeping. Perfect. Yeah that's, what, yeah, that's what people want. So. Uh, this is fun. This is why we do this show. It is. Yeah, Thanks everybody absolutely. who is here. I thought it's Ryan was going to lapse into a, a Parcells uh, level. This is why we do the show. This is why we lift all them weights. <laughs> this is why you know. I thought I thought we were going to get a little, a little bit of that. But yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, I decided to rein it in at the end. <laughs> Just Way too late. Didn't want to go for it. All right. That's no, fair. no. I'm saving it for the Kansas game. <laughs> all right. And hey, um, also, you know, we have assembly call radio tomorrow, uh, but also the big women's game. So let's support. Yeah. The women's team, they are phenomenal. I feel like we got kind of good news. I mean, you know, relatively speaking on Grace Berger, I mean, it's not season ending. You know, it's yeah. kind of similar to how they were talking about Mackenzie Holmes' injury last year. So hopefully she can, you know, rest up, recover, and get back, at least for the stretch run, because, um, man, they're good. Two top ten teams, man. This is a fun, fun year of basketball for Indiana. Yeah. Love it. It's shaping, right. up to be, it's shaping up to be the most fun year for Indiana basketball since I've went there in 2003. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't, and because of the women's team is also good, you know, it's either we've had great men's teams, but a couple handful. Yeah. And look at you, you get that and you're a USC football fan and they're in the playoff. You don't even have to worry about the, hey, they're not in the playoff yet. We got, we got some business <laughs> to take care of Friday night. They're not in the playoff yet. Don't say that's that. see, that's how you do it. You know, you come, you adopt the basketball and then you just find, find another football program. <laughs> you guys are welcome. Welcome to join me on that bandwagon. Never. Uh, no, never. I jumped on my wife's well, Texas well, A&M not, bandwagon, and that's working out much, real well. I've got too much invested in this program, <laughs> and I can't get the Pac-12 network, and I don't want to stay up that late to Come watch out. the games. Well, so, they're not giving the Pac-12 much soon. longer, Andy. So you're good. Oh, it's, that's that's yeah, true. They're on our time zones now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be great. I'm so excited about that. So glad that barrier to entry has been removed for me. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. All right, we will see you here tomorrow and Saturday. Have a great night. All right. See you guys. See you all.